Hi everyone, um, as advertised, I'm Rianne. Um, it's so lovely to get the chance to speak this morning. Um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about worry and about prayer. Um, I'm sure things that many of us are um, thinking about and aware of at the minute. And I absolutely loved that time of worship. I feel like a lot of what I am going to be saying has already started to come out, which is always wonderful when God is moving um, through our worship and our preach. So um, yeah, I, I really hope that what I have to say is encouraging and helpful to you. Um, and do be remembering some of the prophetic things and prayers that were said during worship as I speak. So the plan is I'm going to um, share a little bit of scripture. We're going to look at that together. And then I'm going to talk a bit about my own experiences and some of the lessons that I've been learning um, throughout my Christian life in the last few you know, weeks, months, maybe even days, um, to tell you a bit about the things that God's been doing in me, um, but rooting it all in scripture. So we're going to be looking at Philippians 4 together um, for a little bit of context. If you're not 100% sure on where things fit in the Bible, Philippians is a book in the New Testament, which means it's after Jesus was born. And Philippians actually is in the time of the early church. So it's after Jesus has died and been resurrected and then ascended into heaven. And Philippians is one of the letters um, these are a series of letters that Paul wrote to uh, the early churches. This is to the church in Philippi. Um, and it's important for us to know at this point that Paul was actually in prison when he was writing this letter. He'd been imprisoned for what he believed and what he was saying. Um, so he is writing to this church to encourage them. And he is in prison at the time. I think that's all you need to know to kind of get where this is in the story. Um, it can be so it can sometimes be difficult to place things in the Bible. Um, but we're going to read Philippians 4 verses 4 to 7. They should be coming up on the screen if you want to follow along. Um, but I am going to read them out. So. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These are great, great verses. I love them. If you have been a Christian for a while, they are probably verses that you have heard many, many times. I like to think of them as Christian bookshop verses. They are the kind of verse that you can imagine on a bookmark or a phone case or on a beautiful like wall print somewhere. Um, this is absolutely no shade to, to those things. I love them. I frequently have phone cases with Bible verses on them. And um, if I could wallpaper my house in Bible verses, I would. Um, these are great. They're, they're, they're really memorable. They're quotable. Um, if you've been around church for a while, you might even have had these verses read to you or shared with you, particularly if you're struggling with um, anxiety or anxiousness or worry. Um, and that's great. But the problem is when we are feeling worried or anxious, someone saying, well, don't be anxious, just pray, isn't always the most helpful piece of um, advice to be given. I know from my experience, if I'm feeling um, down and you know overwhelmed and overworked and all these things, and someone's just like, don't worry about it, just go and pray, it's the last thing I want to do. The problem is sometimes when we look at just one Bible verse, we take it out of context 
and it, it loses some of its meaning. So what I'm going to do is explain a little bit of the context of what Paul is playing in all of these verses together and then tell you a bit about how I relate that to my own life. So to start the first bit, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Fantastic. What a, what a way to start a set of verses. Um, the word rejoice is a little bit odd. It's not one that we really use other than in Christian circles. I've certainly not heard many people use it. Um, it basically means find joy. Find joy in the Lord always. Everywhere you are, whatever you're doing, you can find your joy in the Lord. Remember that Paul is writing this from prison and he tells them to find joy in the Lord twice in this one phrase. He is at the bottom of the barrel. He's in a terrible situation. He's probably very, very scared about what's going to happen to him. But he is saying, find joy in the Lord. Because the thing is, this joy that this is talking about is not the same as being happy in your circumstances. It's not the same as having a good day or um, having a great conversation with someone or things going well in your life. And this talks about finding joy in the Lord means your spiritual joy. And how do we do that? We get to know God. We have a relationship with him. And the more we know him and the more time we spend with him, the more we find our joy in him and we place that joy and that looking for joy in him. So Paul starts with find, find joy in God. Whatever's going on is irrelevant in this. You can find your joy in the Lord, whatever situation you're in. The next phrase um, trips me up a little bit when I was reading through this. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Um, and I think the reason this is weird is because gentleness is a bit of a strange thing. It, it sounds a bit like be nice, be, be nice to people. It feels a bit like a bit lame, a bit wishy-washy. Um, actually, Paul uses gentleness in other places in his letters. In the letter to the Galatians, he lists it as one as part of the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is this series of characteristics that as Christians, as we grow in maturity and walk the Christian walk and um, learn more about who Jesus is and become more like him, we grow in these characteristics. They are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. And gentleness is one of them. So what Paul is saying and what some of the commentators agree on is that Paul is actually saying, as you get to know Jesus, as you build that relationship with him, as you find your joy in him, your character changes. You become the fruit of the spirit. You become all these things. And one of them is gentleness. And that actually, that's something that the world will be able to see in you. I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you've met someone new and you're chatting and um, suddenly they go, oh, you're a Christian. That makes sense. Because there's something about you to them that they can see that is different to the rest of the world. This has happened to me so many times. It's bizarre. People go, oh, yeah, you're right. You do seem different. Maybe you became a Christian slightly later in life and you have friends and family members who knew you before and after you became a Christian. And they tell you you're different. They might not necessarily know what it is and they might not be able to pinpoint it, but something about you, your character has changed because you are getting to know Jesus, because you are becoming more like him. You are growing in gentleness and all the other fruit of the spirit. 
And this is something we should see. And then Paul says, the Lord is near. Always good. Always a nice reminder that God is nearby. What he was saying here was that the Lord is with him in prison. He's also saying the Lord is near you, church in Philippi. He's he's nearby. He's around you. He's also saying the Lord is near to us wherever we are, whether we're in our living rooms, kitchens, bedrooms, driving in a car, wherever in the world you are right now. The Lord is near. He's nearby. He's with you. We don't have to wait our turn to speak to him. We don't have to wait for him to be in the area. Throughout all of time and space, the Lord is near. So actually, the context we get here is we can find our joy in the Lord and we do that by getting to know him. And as we get to know him, our character changes and people can see that. And all of this can happen because God is always nearby. He's always with us. And because of that, we can come and worship him and praise him and rejoice in him. And this exciting mesh of just knowing that God is near us and with us is then when Paul says, do not be anxious. Instead, pray. It's not so much uh, like, oh, no, don't do that. That's a bad thing. Just pray. It will be fine. It's all of this context. The God of the universe is nearby and he is the one we place our joy in. So don't be anxious. Pray. So I'm going to break this down a little bit. I'm going to talk a little bit about what we mean by anxious and what we mean by pray. And um, just give you a little bit of context. Um, I'm going to use words like anxious, stress, worry fairly interchangeably. Um, I think they're all a very similar thing in this context. Um, so when we, when we think about worry or stress, um, actually, there's a point to which a little bit of worry can be a good thing. Part of my job, I have to write risk assessments a lot. And if I didn't have the capacity to worry, I wouldn't be very good at writing risk assessments because I wouldn't know what could go wrong. I wouldn't have that foresight of this is a situation, something bad could happen, so let's make some changes. The same for stress. If you are a student or have been one or have had a job that involves lots of deadlines, um, you might be aware that a little bit of stress can be helpful. It can be a good motivator. It could you know, help us prioritise what we need to get done when. Um, the, the little bits of worry, frustration, stress aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves. This isn't saying we have to feel guilty the moment we feel even slightly stressed or anxious or worried about something. I was reading some of the commentators and one of them um, defined anxiety as an excessive care that distracts. Now we can have a separate conversation about how good a definition of anxiety that is. Um, we're not really talking about anxiety um, as a you know, diagnosable mental health issue here, we're talking about anxiousness. I think they're slightly different. Um, but what he's saying here is that when we are worried, stressed, frustrated, anxious, that distracts us. So in my own experience, I'll tell you a, a real story about what I've been worrying about more recently. Um, it starts with a fairly um, legitimate, consideration in my life. The, the job I'm currently in has a fixed term contract that means in a year's time I currently don't have a job. Now I'm aware that a year is a very long time and it will be fine um, but I like to have a plan. I like to know the next like seven million steps in my life 
So this is you know, a little bit of a cause for a little bit of worry for me. But the problem is I then add to that worry, well, what am I gonna do next? What's, what's the point? What job do I want? What's gonna be best for my progression, my career? What's God calling me to do? Where will I be? How am I gonna to afford to live if I don't get another job? Maybe I should wipe out my debt. How am I going to do that? What if I'm not good enough? And suddenly what was quite a small, the reality of the situation is my contract expires in a year, suddenly becomes this big mess of just anxiousness, worry, concern, fear, all muddled up, all like interwebbed and, and just a mess. And it becomes so big that I can't look at anything else. All I can focus on is this concern and how on earth I'm going to get past it and actually looking at that whole thing is a big mess there really isn't much I can do I can't see into the future and know what's going to happen so do I have to spend the next 12 months just hoping and worrying that somehow this will all be okay well I can do that I can continue to just look at this anxiety I tend to think of it as navel gazing I don't actually know if that's a phrase or just one that I've made up um, but the idea of like looking at your own belly button, it's like looking at yourself and you're so drawn in and distracted by what your situation is. That, that it may be a genuine situation. This isn't saying that worry or anxiety aren't rooted in real concerns and real life events that are happening. But what happens is it becomes all consuming and all we can look at and it affects us. It affects our mental health, it affects our way of living. Um, it stops us looking at other things and this brings us on to what Paul says the counterbalance to that is it's to pray so what do we mean by pray depending on your experiences of church and Christianity you might have slightly different um, experiences of prayer there are all kinds of different ways that we pray as Christians we can um, intercede so pray for other people we do this at our prayer meetings quite often you know we pray for our city we pray for healing we pray into situations um we can pray in lament also something we've done recently as a church and just bring us or express our sorrow to god we can pray in a really formal way if you've been to some of the more traditional churches they have kind of um sort of set prayers that they say that speak biblical truth we can pray on our own we can pray with other people but actually what prayer is, is talking to God. It's as simple as that. I like to think of it as um, if you're fortunate enough to have a good friend or family member who you know will answer the phone if you just want to have a bit of a rant about something. I'm fortunate to have a few people in my life who will do this for me. And they're just people that you know you can ring and you don't need to go through kind of the social niceties you don't need to make plans. You can ring them at any point and just say, this is a bit rubbish. Will you please listen to me? Will you help me? And that, I think, is what this prayer is. This prayer is turning to God and saying, this is rubbish. What is going on in my life? What I'm stressed about and worried about? I don't want to look at it anymore. I'm just going to talk to you about it. For me, I quite often will go for a walk to do this. I find walking and moving really helps me. Um, I'm not very good at expressing emotions. If you know me, you may be aware of this. Um, 
so actually moving and working sort of helps seems to help my brain connect some things um, and get you know get me moving emotionally um, I know other people who will go for a drive maybe just go and have like a really hot shower or a bath or find something relaxing to do where all they need to focus on is talking to God away from other distractions you don't need to have played 30 minutes of worship music and then read your Bible for 20 minutes and then prayed about the world and then brought this to God. Because actually the counter to looking internally is to look to God. It's to lift our gaze up to him, to tell him what's going on. Because the thing is, he knows. He already knows what your situation is. He knows what's happening with everyone in the world. He's not like being caught off guard by your situation. And he knows what's in your heart. So he knows that, yes, this is the situation, but all this other stuff is attached to it. You're not going to surprise him by telling him this stuff. It's not like when you, you know, drop a bombshell in a friend and they're like, I don't know how to deal with that. God's already there. He's with you in the situation. So then why do we have to pray? Why do we have to tell him? And the thing is, when we talk to someone, we focus on them. I'm talking to you all now. And even though this is a bit weird online, I'm talking to you. I'm focusing on you. Those of you I can see on my screen, I'm talking at you. I want to engage with you. So if we, when we talk to God, when we come to him and I go on my walk around Manchester and just mutter under my breath and complain about everything and bring it all to him, my focus shifts from me to him. Because I can't talk to him and still be looking at myself. That's not how it works. That's not how communication works. So when we're praying, we're changing our focus back to God, back to the God who Paul has just said is the one that we can find our joy in, the one who is changing us in a way that other people can see, the one who is with us at all times. We're lifting our gaze back to him. Does that mean that the situation changes? Well, sometimes I know people, I know from my own life times where I've come to God with an issue and said, Lord, I don't know how to cope with this. Please fix it. And he has. He's done something miraculous. He's put an email in my inbox or meant a conversation has started or, you know, money has appeared in my bank account or all kinds of things where God does move miraculously, but not always. He doesn't always answer our prayer in the exact way that we think will fix the situation we're in. And that can be hard, especially if we can see one solution and only one solution to our problems. I would love it if I got an email right now that said my contract has been extended further than 12 months or even another job offer that starts in 12 months time. I don't think that's a thing. I don't think that exists in the world, but you know, God can do miraculous things. If that's what he wanted to do, he could do that. But he doesn't always just move and fix the problem. He doesn't always heal us when we ask for healing. He doesn't always mend broken relationships in the instant that we ask him to. And that can be hard. If you're if you're praying, if you're struggling with a situation and you can only see one way out of it. But I think what happens when we pray and we look to God is we remember who he is. Paul actually says that we should come to him with thanksgiving. 
Now, when I'm feeling rubbish and angry and frustrated and worried and stressed and all of those things, the last thing I want to do is say thank you for anything. I become a proper like temper tantrum. Everything is rubbish. Nothing is good in my life. What's the point in anything? But every single time I've gone for a walk or a drive or whatever and prayed and poured out my feelings to God, I've ended up thanking him for things. I might end up thanking him for the job I'm in, even though I'm finding it hard or for the church that I'm in, or even just the fact that I can come and talk to him. What a privilege that we can just talk to God, that we don't have to do anything to get to that position. I didn't have to you know, prove myself worthy to be able to go for a walk around the streets of Manchester and complain to God. He's just there. And you, I find myself becoming thankful because actually, as we look to God, our perspective changes. We see in the Bible that God over and over and over again says that he has a plan for his people, that he knows our hearts, that he's working for good. You only have to look back at our Joseph series to see that narrative playing out in Joseph's life, that God had it under control. At every moment, he was working things for good. And that's true of us too, that whatever we're in, whatever worry or stress or anxiety is on us, God can work it to good. And he is going to. He knows what's coming next. He knows where you're going to go. He can see the whole span of your life. And he will move at the right time in the right way. Sometimes that's immediate and that is incredible and you can praise God for that. Sometimes it's not and you can still praise God for that because he has you and he is working in you. So when we pray, it's not just coming to, you know, our boss with a request for, you know, new equipment we need or new money we need for a project or anything like that. It's coming to our father, to our friend and saying, please be with me in this. I want to look at you. I want to worship you and be with you and not focus on just myself, just my situation. Paul ends this passage with, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And from my experience, that's really true. I find that when I have spent some time with God, whether that's on a walk, whether that's driving to work and just asking God to be with me in my day when that's when I'm you know worried about something or just spending some time with God because it's nice to hang out with him it's nice to spend time with the people we love that actually it does change my heart and change my mind and it does guard them there have been situations where I've been worried and not able to sleep so I've prayed well please protect me from these thoughts just so I can sleep. I've not even wanted to deal with them right now because I'm so tired. And God comes and does that. He can guard us from these, these worries and these concerns. He brings us peace. It's peace that transcends understanding. It doesn't actually make sense to us in a human way, but he does it. He does it for his people. He does it because he loves us. Now, you might have been listening to me talk and sharing some of my experiences and going, well, this is all great, but I don't have, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to go and talk to God. And 
I think that's okay. Rose brought in her um, when she was praying earlier that that can be really hard. If we're struggling, it's hard to reach out to people. But I really encourage you to, to find a way. Go for a walk, find some quiet space. If you're in a house with family and friends and you don't want them to hear you pouring out all your emotions, go and sit in a park or wait until they leave the house or something. But I encourage you, find some time and just start talking to God. You don't have to pour out everything in that one moment. You can just start talking. Just start shifting your gaze away from yourself and up to him, even if it's in really small ways. If you're really struggling with this, or if you have um, you know, more, more complex stress or anxiety issues going on, I really, really encourage you to, to reach out. We are a family, we love each other, we're here for each other. Um, and having someone stand with you in prayer and support can really help. Um, it's helped me in times, there have been times where I've been just weeping at church and someone has come and stood with me and prayed. And you don't have to tell people everything that's going on for them to stand with you. So if that's the case, please reach out to home group leaders, to your friends that are here, um, me, to Duncan, to anyone, and just ask for that support. We're here for you. Um, we're a family. We're doing this together. We're going to end with a song. I'm going to hand back over to the band. It's just a space for us to um, rejoice in who God is. Paul started this with, find your joy in the Lord. That is where our joy is. And that's why when we're worried, we pray is because our joy is in the Lord. So we're going to sing a song to, to find our joy in the Lord. Um, but if you need to, you can use this space just to start talking to God about what's going on or planning some time today when you can. Something that you can do later today where actually you might be able to start this process. <laughs>